So the guy called you back, Funchy? He did. Yeah. That's a P1 right there. <laughs> I know. Thank you for your listening. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Cleveland! This is for you! <laughs> yeah, it's well established. Bone Thugs and Harmony are Cleveland. Just because Easy discovered them yeah. in Cleveland <laughs> doesn't mean you can claim them as L.A. Like, they're Cleveland. Like, Dr. Dre discovered Eminem. Nobody says Eminem is anything other than Detroit. Yes. Like, yes, he's not exactly, L.A. because exactly. he was discovered by Dr. Dre. Bone Thugs are clearly Cleveland. We love you, Anthony. We love you. Yeah, we do, man. Thanks for listening, bro. <laughs> um, interesting tweet from uh, Big E, friend of the station, Yeah, Eric M. Herrera. He was at the uh, Circle of Trust. I was going to say, big time member of the circle. Big time. Shohei, uh, I'm just going to take his word for it. I'm not like to look this up. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like I got a computer and wireless connection right in front of me. I'm just going to take this guy's word for it. (laughs) Shohei is a brand ambassador for Porsche. Probably didn't pay for the car given to Kelly's, uh, but it's a tremendous publicity for Porsche and Shohei. It's a win-win-win, especially for the Kelly's. Does the fact that he didn't have to pay for the car cheapen the gesture in your in your mind at all no my question is like he's giving away somebody else's free car that he is he's making a phone call i guess yeah but my question is is he still paying for the serious xm subscription that's the actual question he should if somebody got you something like that they like gave you this in- incredible gift but they didn't actually it wasn't like this wasn't something they like yeah. bought for you we just went through christmas like does that if like essentially like we're asking like like you know if if Mason gave you all like the you know free stuff he gets from the random people he endorses <laughs> or like you know some of you you give cool station swag to people but you didn't actually pay for it yeah, or buy it, a, yeah. does that matter no nah in my mind it doesn't matter because the no. Kellys are really excited about having this new Porsche and they got it without having to give up any money of their own. And Joe Kelly gets the win of having Shohei Otani on his team. Like, as far as I'm concerned, they got nothing to complain about. No, I I agree the Kellys don't care. I'm just wondering if in your mind, like, there's sort of the general galaxy mind out there. People are like, yeah, it changes the gesture a little bit because Shohei didn't drop the 100K himself for the car. No, I, I I don't think it should take away from any of this. If anything, if I'm a Dodger now, if I'm one of his teammates... I'm just excited at the prospect of how easily right. Shohei Otani can get. I'm a excited at how many people he has endorsement deals with. Like that's what I'm doing is I'm starting to go through the list and being like, how can I? Where where else is he a brand ambassador? But they like, do you bill Shohei not just for the series subscription, but that presumably uh, Mrs. Kelly's insurance rates might go up? <laughs> do you do you bill him for the balance? It's like hundred and fifty dollars no, I mean, more expensive. At some point, these are grown adults. Maybe like they do. They do have to take some ownership <laughs> of, of the car, what is now right? their Porsche. <laughs> like Shohei Otani is not there to babysit them during the next ten years of driving. Is, does Shohei have to pay for a triple A? <laughs> right, like, like the AAA membership. Today. Shohei, it was really. I just want you to know, like our schedule, free scheduled maintenance period has ended. And I got to take it to the shop. Um, how do you, you want to Venmo me for no, that? No, like, do I take like, it to the dealership? Right. Or do I take like it to Joe, someone else? If Joe Kelly totals this Porsche, it's not up to Otani are, to fix like you, whatever comes by. Are you more of a, a Venmo or a Zell guy? <laughs> how do you? How do you? How do you want me to get you to send me the money? PayPal. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe he still does PayPal. I don't know. At that at that point, the story then shifts from 
Joe Kelly was doing the Dodgers a solid, he and his wife, by by their way of recruiting Otani, to Joe Kelly is kind of a manipulative bleep. No, again, <laughs> I, I for the record, I don't – it doesn't cheapen it to me that, that Shohei didn't pay for the Porsche. I wouldn't presume that he sort of has to, particularly when you can make a phone call and probably have somebody deliver somebody a portion. And Eric is exactly right. It, the, the publicity for Porsche – in this thing is tremendous. It's like when you guys, you know, like I have, I'm drinking out of a Stanley right now. Um, there was that video oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, where the, the woman's car burns burn yeah. like to a crisp, the whole car burned and except for her Stanley and the ice was still cold inside <laughs> yeah, the Stanley <laughs> and the Stanley folks. And this is a, and this thing got millions and millions and millions of hits across social media. They bought her a new car. It would be like, good if they just gave her a new Stanley. <laughs> she didn't need one. Didn't that was the whole man. point. <laughs> and the ice was still cold. Got and two. I believed it too because, like, this thing keeps ice cold yeah, it does. for it weeks. It really does. It really does. Um, but anyway, like, like that—that's worth it. For it's worth it for Porsche or whatever. I just I was, some people get hung up on how you give the gift. Like, did you give somebody something that you got for free? Bothers people sometimes. Or do you re-gift the gift that you got? Like if you oh, get a what if of Joe wine? Kelly's wife regifted the Porsche? <laughs> yeah, hey, I got a Porsche. I already had one. But <laughs> give it to her parents. <laughs> I think you can give it to your parents and get away with it. Like if you give it to immediate family, especially your parents, who you know you always feel that urge and responsibility to repay your parents for everything that they've done for you. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. How far outside the immediate family? No. can Joe Kelly's wife regift the Porsche before it becomes problematic? It is immediate family only. No cousins, first cousins. No, no, nope, absolutely not. Aunts, uncle. I don't even think you can give it to a sibling. I think it's only your parents. Hmm. Well, I disagree with that because if you're Joe Kelly. And you've made professional athlete money mm-hmm. for a long time, and I I don't know, you know, I I don't I was gonna say I don't I'll know look it up. the you tell me I, while you talk I'll tell you how much money Joe Kelly's made over his career. I feel like Joe Kelly or Joe Kelly's wife, you know, because she's part of the lifestyle that comes with being married to a professional athlete beyond whatever income she may or may not bring in. I have no idea, but they're living a one percenter lifestyle. If you are looking to pay that forward, I think to parents, siblings, I suppose if you had like an uncle or an aunt that raised you or like a grandparent that like raised you. It better be somebody, but you better call them mama. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or dad. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is that. It can't be like, oh, that's like, that's like my aunt, whatever. But like she's not really my aunt, but she raised me from like no you know, no, like, no no when no, she no. found me under a bridge, you know, after my parents had abandoned me. Yeah. How much money do you think Joe Kelly's made over the course of his career? I'm gonna guess thirty eight million dollars. Sixty five? Ooh, I'll say forty five. The answer is fifty three million dollars. Okay. So that is one percenter lifestyle. He's going to have a career <laughs> oh, yeah. moving forward. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with. I don't, th- but I don't think. I think Joe Kelly then has to like take the Porsche, give it, and then like give the car that Mrs. Kelly was driving to a brother, a niece, so- a nephew, or something. I don't think you can take the the Porsche itself and give it to anybody other than a parent. Fair enough. That that's fine. Again, I I think this all gets limited to immediate <laughs> family 
Anyway, otherwise... Right. Eric's got it. If the check engine light comes on, <laughs> Joe Kelly hit up show A. Now, at some point, these are grown-ass adults. I love this I love this idea of every time there's even the smallest thing with this Porsche that Joe Kelly goes... The tire pressure is slow. Can right? you come in and yes. fill it up? <laughs> like, I, just, I am so in love with this concept of of him just doing this because i don't think that's i don't think that's otani's responsibility <laughs> as either a teammate or a brand ambassador like you're not expecting the brand ambassador to show up every time your car needs help well, God, do you want to be a good ambassador don't you no no the, the, <laughs> the kelly's are grown-ass people they got a porsche that i have no problem with them receiving nope. i have no problem with them again giving it to their mother, their mother, father, father that's the, it. the brother or sister that is nope. in a less fortunate that, only position. Only if it's the, by my big brother who raised me after my my parents were killed in an accident. Like, it's got to be that. Or, like, you cannot re-gift that But it car. can't be uncles. It can't be aunts. No. It can't be cousins. It can't be close friends. It can't be your bra. <laughs> it can't be anything <laughs> like that. It's a meet, and I mean tight, immediate family. Right. That's as far as you can go before you're just the Kellys being opportunistic. What if they sold it? <laughs> For sale. With a sign. Immediately. There's a Porsche that fits the exact description on eBay or whatever. Like eBay Motors the next day. Oh, man. I'm going crazy looking for this tweet about this guy who said that uh, a Paloma is better with uh, Fresca than Squirt. So. Bigger. Anthony Collins, if you have a different opinion about Fresca and Squirt. Well, he has very strong opinions about where the Paloma was invented. Exactly. It wasn't in L.A., that's for sure. It's definitely not in L.A. All right, coming up, the Rams. We've got an idea of their likelihood of making mm -hmm. the playoffs. Talk about that, 710 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN. Before we get to the Rams, one final, maybe not final note, but little interesting factoid with the Joe Kelly, Shohei Otani giving him the number, getting the Porsche, giving up 17. He will now be wearing number 99, it's reported, Joe Kelly. He'll be just the third 99 in Dodger history. The other two. Manny. Manny was number one. Manny's one, yeah. And Hunjin Ryu. So some pretty good number 99s in Dodger history, however few of them there are. Mm -hmm. So Aaron Donald, number 199. Joe Kelly, number 299. Rams right now, Brian, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, 75.3% chance of making the playoffs mm -hmm. on the strength of their Thursday win over the Saints and some of the other stuff happening around the NFC. They were three and six not that long ago. They were. This is, I mean, it's funny because, like, at the beginning of the season, everybody's kind of played this thing out. Other than once we all discovered that, like, okay, realistically speaking, 
this team, after that, it was the first game of the year, the Seattle game. It was like, okay, they're probably too good to be terrible enough to get the quarter, you know, to be the number one pick, number two, number three, whatever. For the Caleb Williams sweeps. Caleb Williams, you know, Penix, whoever it is, like any of these guys, the kid from North Carolina that everybody liked at the beginning of the year, all that stuff. It became kind of clear then that it was like, well, well, they're not that great. But then this, but the schedule was really hard in the middle. And then it, and we were like, well, you know, if they can get through that part and still stay afloat, it gets really easy for a little while. And that's exactly where we are now. And now, at least according to this thing that I'm looking at from the New York Times that does like probabilities with every game that you can figure out, if just winning this weekend gives them an 88% chance of making the playoffs. If they beat the Giants in New York, the Giants, Brian Dable says that he's not sure if Tommy DeVito, the Cutlet guy, is going to be starting this weekend. It might be Tyrod Taylor, who, I mean, great backup. But like, I think at this point we're past like, I don't know. Tyrod Taylor could really break out. And like, no, he's Tyrod Taylor. Like, you've done all this work. The Giants suck. You can go in. You had an 80 percent chance of winning. And if they win, and the Steelers beat Seattle in Seattle this weekend, Rams are in the playoffs. They and the Steelers, are Steelers, by the way, for those unaware, still they're playing. They're playing for something. They, yeah. they they're eight and seven. They are trying to get themselves into the playoffs they had a big win over the weekend okay let's let's go and i realize the the rams blew that game against the steelers and they did that was that was shameful like think about like cincinnati game pittsburgh game flip either one of those things they're already in the playoffs at that point basically but like the steelers or if they man okay if they managed to not have a 76 yard punt return in overtime against them against the ravens that was pretty bad but like I would say, but I don't, I don't. I, you're I'm on just the road. That was a, it, it was that very was a winnable. winnable. It was game. a winnable. Anytime you go as, into overtime, definitionally your game is as winnable. good as Baltimore is. I'm not saying there's any shame to right. losing the Baltimore. I, but like but, the Pittsburgh game, they were up and blew that game. Yes, the Cincinnati game, I believe they were up and blew the game and, and had opportunities to do that. And you know, with a you know Joe Burrow's banged up and all that stuff. Like you win either one of those were really bad losses. Um, the Baltimore one would have been kind of stealing one back. Sure. But like if you've seen the Steelers play, like compare eight and seven teams. Like the Rams are way better than the Steelers. Okay. Taking that step further, you look around the rest of the NFC without getting too prisoner of the moment, but nope, the Niners that's where I am. The Niners looked absolutely awful mm-hmm. last night against the Ravens. The same team that we just said, the Rams took it to them. In Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have looked really shaky lately. They win yesterday against the Giants, but as we've already established, the Giants suck. Yes, they do. The Lions, they win, but against a Minnesota team that is struggling, to say the least, with landing on a quarterback. Dallas looked bad against the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are a team, by the way, that a lot of people question how real they are to begin with. You can make an argument that the Rams look as good right now as any team in the NFC, that they are playing as well right now yeah, I mean, as any team in the NFC. In, here's the thing about I mean, look, Not saying they're the best team, no. but they, they are playing as well as anyone in the NFC. It's, it's one of these deals where, like, do I think that the Rams can, as a wild card, go to the Super Bowl knowing that... All three of those games they got to win to get there will be on the road. 
The answer is no. I do not think they could do that. Do I think that in any individual game right now against any team, including Dallas, where that was a just a, a you know they got boat raced in that game. Do I think they could compete and win against any team in the NFC right now? Yes, I do. I would you know a game in Philly, I would obviously put my money on the Eagles. A game in Dallas, I would put my money on the Cowboys. And I'd probably do the same for a game in Detroit. But like a game in San Francisco. Oh, for sure. Which we get to do in a couple weeks, by the way, if you really want to. You don't even have to wait for the playoffs and for that. That, by the way, the Niners losing last night to the Ravens, that doesn't do the Rams any favors if you are hoping for the opportunity that that game could mean nothing to the Niners. And if there's still any questions at all for the Rams about getting into the playoffs. Right, you wanted, you wanted San Francisco to win that game. Yeah, you wanted San Fran by the, the final game of the season to have everything locked up and no mobility in either direction. Therefore, they just sit all their guys. Right, and Green Rams- Bay sneaking out that win against Carolina yesterday, that would have been really helpful for the Rams, like just kind of laying the groundwork here. But, you know, I, I am... I am that offense with a healthy Stafford and an offensive line that seems to be working and and a real run game because the 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 big huge differentiating factor when the Rams were going to Super Bowls was Todd Gurley. And now they've got that running game back. They've got a quarterback. Like Matt Stafford is I mean I realize he makes a couple goofy throws and that's what like really confident quarterbacks do. They put the ball in places every once in a while where you probably shouldn't. That's what Nick Mullins does. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> At least Stafford has earned Except the difference is Stafford's doing it on purpose. I'm not sure Nick Mullins Oh, no, I think is. Nick Mullins actually is. I think in that case, Godspeed, Nick Mullins. No, he is. When, when you watch him, because I did watch that Minnesota game, and also when you hear people talk about Nick Mullins and some of the reason that he's been a journeyman quarterback, it's judgment. Like it's he, unearned confidence. Unearned confidence believes he can put that ball in a place where it has no business being. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Fine. Nick Mullins. But like they've got, and you know, Puka has been incredible, and Cooper Cup is slowly kind of rounding into form, and they don't need him to be the Cooper Cup of three or four years ago because Puka is so good. And, you know, they've got Robinson and Natwell's getting healthy again. Like that's a legitimate, and the defense is pretty good. Like, they're not Baltimore yesterday against San Francisco, but they're pretty good. I'm excited about this. Also, too, they've got all this cap space in the offseason. Like, these young players. And they drafted so well heading into this year. People talk about tanking. Incredibly well. People talk about tanking. They would have been better off tanking. Why try try to get the seventh, eighth, and I would ever pick, like, look at your roster. You've got a young group of players that are playing essentially playoff games. The roster. In their yes. Yes, the roster. You got a bunch of young players who are Shout essentially playing playoff games and gaining experience that the franchise really didn't think they were going to be able to get. And then you can add to that this offseason with a full draft and with free agency and all that stuff. And like we thought this could be like a five-year rebuilding project with the Rams, like two, three, four seasons to kind of build it back up again. To like peak form. Right. And the answer was, well, okay, last year sucked. And apparently they've already rebuilt and they're 
the franchise suddenly looks like it's in fantastic position. Well, it's really interesting because heading into the year, we, we talked about it, a lot of people thought that this was going to be a sneaky tanking season where you don't admit what's actually happening, but you won't speak about it. You're snanking. Tra- right. You won't talk about it transparently, but everybody knows you're actually tanking. Mm-hmm. And it was in part because they were not adding anybody of note to the team and letting a lot of people of note walk. And what you kept hearing from the organization was, you know, we have to get our books in order. We have to, you know, reset the cap, all that sort of stuff that all teams have to do, particularly teams that have spent a few seasons going all in. Like the the bill comes due at some point, not because you did anything wrong, but that's just the way this stuff works. Our bill is due now. But they also kept insisting, we think we can be competitive. Right. And it felt in the moment, in the beginning, like they were just giving us the spin that they have to say because they can't admit we're trying to lose and get people to pay to show up to the stadium. They may have just well, been I, telling I th- the truth right. I think, from the I think outset. When, I think it's how do you define competitive? Because I think what they were saying is like six, seven, eight wins. Like that's five, six, seven, eight, nine wins. Like that's competitive. You get to nine, you're in the playoffs. But like six or seven, seven or eight wins – you're probably not in the playoffs. We're not a walkover team you even are, if we don't make the playoffs. If you've won seven games, you are competitive. Like you you probably had a couple you could have won or whatever. The the real clue that you knew that they really didn't think they were going to be like something that they had to invest in was that backup quarterback kicker punter. Like you and I almost kicked for this team at the beginning of the year. Like they they made no effort to find Back like backup quarterback back. Those are things that you do when you think you're good. Yeah, I mean that that they didn't seem particularly alarmed that Stetson Ben. I like I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he his family everything's okay. But that they haven't seemed particularly alarmed at the idea that he's been away from the team. Well, they didn't at the time, and then they went out and signed Carson right. Wentz when they realized what Brett Rippon looked like. Right, but at in the moment. If you have larger aspirations, right. again, without being insensitive to what was going on with Bennett, that is something that right. would you're, concern you, The alarm you. bells go off when right. your quarterback is injury prone or whatever. But the other thing about the future that I think is, if you can fix your off, if you can keep your offensive line like solid, and the Rams have done that, like they've fixed the line. Including which is a, Avila, who's right. been terrific. They've fixed that problem, which was a terrible issue last year, and they can continue to bolster it over the course of the season or of the off season, you know, Stafford is 35 years old. He can be 36 in February, but in the NFL, like we've seen it with Brady, with Rogers, with all these other guys, if you can keep your up, it's not like he's running around the field or anything like that. If you can keep Stafford from getting hit 30 times a game, you can play two or three legitimately expect two or three or four more good seasons out of him. You don't need I mean, they should be looking for a guy that they can build into that position. Um, But you don't need to find another quarterback for next year or the year after. You can, if you can protect Stafford, you can bank, I think, on two more good seasons out of him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is not the season that I think Rams fans expected. It's certainly not the season that I expected. No, it isn't. And in some ways, it's as fun as any season that they've had in LA. Yeah. And I mean, Taking it all the way back. Except for the Jeff Fisher year. Those were really fun. (laughs) Taking it back all the way to this offseason. 
lot of reporting that Sean McVay wasn't even sure that he wanted to return. So I imagine this has been a lot of fun for him. Coming up next, play a little fact or cap. Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Slee's 710 ESPN. Hey, guys. Does Emily sound like that? What's up, Punch? (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, As you guys know, you guys are basketball savants. Uh, The Pistons are one loss away from losing the most consecutive games in NBA history. They lost their last 26 games. They play tonight. They could break the record tonight uh, against, uh, I think they're playing. Nets. The Nets, yes. And currently they are, you know, they're underdogs by six points. And... Factor cap, you want to see the Pistons keep on losing until at least the new year. Factor cap, Andy. I hate to say it, but it's fact. (laughs) And I feel terrible because there are people involved with this. And this is awful for them. It's awful for their psyche. It may be awful for their development. Mm -hmm. But It's good good for us. Yeah, it is, really. (laughs) As an outsider just looking in, it is really fascinating to watch what's going on with this team right now because you can tell that I don't think they thought that they would be contending for like the number one seed overall in the East, but they did not think they would be this bad. And oh, by the way, they're on a 26 game losing streak and they just they just paid Monty Williams like 70 bajillion dollars to coach a half them. million dollars. Yeah. What is that over six years? That is like 13, 12, 12, 12 or 13 year. million a year. He's is currently, <laughs> does he get a Porsche? <laughs> um, he's currently averaging $6 million a win. <laughs> yeah. For the season. Like, it is fascinating Pricey to wins. watch this. I, I feel for the people involved, it's crazy to watch. I'm I at least want to see him get this. They're ever going to win another game. Really? Yeah. I, well, they have a shot. I was looking at their schedule. Um, I believe they're playing San Antonio on uh, the tenth. I believe the tenth. Yes, January tenth. Yes, I, I think really that's their next that winnable game. game. Like, you know what? The April. last game of the season for San Antonio and Detroit is against each other. Wow. <laughs> when when both of those teams were on those really bad streaks, I really wanted their next game against each other to be in like March yes, or April. Yes, especially because the reason that that didn't happen is because San Antonio beat the Lakers. Right. And so it's just, I wanted that to so like both teams show up having lost 59 games in a row. Oh, they got this they got the Spurs on January 10th. If they don't win there, I think they could probably beat the the Wizards uh 5 nights later. The January Wizards are not a serious team. They're not a serious team. No, no. <laughs> they are no. an unserious see, team. Here's the thing. It's like two things happen when a str- when you're playing it like a normal bad team, you overlook them. Mm-hmm. You know, you like when the Lakers were really bad that stretch, they would always win those like Sunday games when teams would overnight in LA and it, because it hit they hit like twenty threes in a game or something. Right? right, they were out partying and doing whatever, and they just didn't take the Lakers seriously. Mm-hmm. The problem now is like if you lose to the Pistons. Like, that is a thing. Like, you are (laughs) the team that just lost to a team that lost 37 games in a row. So you don't take the Wizards seriously. You overlook that game. But teams are going to be dialed in now to make sure they are not the team that loses to Detroit. So as unserious as the Wizards are, and they are very unserious, they will be serious that game. Man, 
I'm, it is so irritating to look at the standings right now. Last 10, Spurs 1-9. and nine. You one know and what nine. the 1 is? <laughs> so I just want that to cycle out. I just need like yes. a few more games to yeah, go by. Yeah, it to February, man. It's yeah. really irritating. <laughs> and they almost won the other one. Yeah, they did. That's right. Dave was doing it. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, we had uh, three NFL games yesterday, in addition to the five NBA Fact. games, uh, you know, that we saw. Whatever. Factor cap. You would love to see a tradition of NFL games on Christmas, no matter what day of the week it falls on. <coughs> Brian, cap, because like Wednesday becomes really awkward. You know, Tuesday it starts to get. You know, because like there's already a little bit of like a competitive issue with NFL games and when they're located and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And especially late in the season when these games are super meaningful to start messing with the competitive balance of the league by having games at times when they are not supposed to happen. Um, it's after bye weeks. You can't make it up. I think it's – I know. But what I think you can do is any year where there is a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you, you all – you know, Four games. I don't. There's tons of Christmas, and then you can probably get away with it on Thursday as well. You may be able to yeah. add an extra one. Andy, I, I know the NBA's answer is cap. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they they can't be thrilled about when something like this happens because that is the holiday they are supposed to own. To a lot of people, that's when the NBA season truly begins. You're not wild about the idea of three NFL games getting uh, mixed into no, Adam Silver your space. is very pleased that Christmas next year will be on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very pleased. Um, I, I I did like watching NFL games yesterday. I, it was a supply a, a pleasant surprise, I should say. I mean, we are yeah, but your to, Christmas was awful. We already started. I know, this. but I mean, I saw unhappy. I saw some NFL and I won my fantasy matchup. I guess that's why it was good day, and you know, for the NFL yesterday. <laughs> As long as Funch is one. <laughs> Everything's coming up Funchy. That's right. All right, guys. Um, I'm trying to open up this email right here. So Take your time. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, I, I got a, a troubling stat right here. You, you know about the Phoenix Suns. They're big three. Devin Booker, Ke Kevin Durant, and uh, Bradley Beal. They've only played only 24 minutes with each other. That's only 2% of the minutes that they have overall with each other in games. 2%. Uh, the big three from Brooklyn, the Durant, uh, Kyrie, and Harden, they played overall 365 minutes with each other, which adds up to 4%. <laughs> so these, the big three in Phoenix actually played less than the big three in Brooklyn right now. Um, is this a bigger disaster than the Brooklyn, Phoenix? Uh, factor cap, Andy. Well, to some degree, it's TBD. Yeah. Which, depending on how you look at it, makes it worse because they've got a long time together. It's not like Phoenix shot the works and said, okay, we are going to go all in this year, make this thing happen, and if it doesn't happen, we can go in a bunch of different directions. This is the discernible direction of the Suns for the next several years. So far, it is off to a disastrous beginning, and you don't count on Kevin Durant getting healthier as he gets older. You definitely don't count on Bradley Beal getting healthier as they get older. And those three, the big three, their contracts together will keep this team inflexible in terms of the moves that they can make. You want to be striking as early as possible in this process of their big three. It ain't happened at all. It it, it hasn't looked good. 
Um, I, and there's no rescue plan. Like Harden was still kind of, you could recover some assets for him. And then, you know, the Nets recovered reasonably well. You know, and then they moved to rant. Like it's like there is. I believe Phoenix has no assets, no no draft no. picks or nothing. And, <laughs> and and it's like you can't keep flipping Durant for a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the Nets have a fair amount of stuff to go in, and a reasonably competent team. Excuse me. You know, with Bridges and Cam Thomas and uh, Johnson and 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 all that kind of stuff. Like they've got some guys. But like you're not going to turn Bradley Beal into a bunch of draft picks at this point. Nope. Like you know, no, ask the Wizards how that goes. They, <laughs> they the didn't. only one that you could trade there is Devin Booker to get like a really big return. But you're not trading him. Probably not. It's not how I'd do it. I mean, he's really good. Really good. Devin really good. Booker is. Although, he eight assists to two this year. Eight assists. He also has injury concerns yeah. of his own. They're not in the playoffs. Really. They're not even playing right now. No. If the season ended today, the Phoenix Suns would miss. And also a little tidbit, too. Woj was reporting yesterday on the NBA countdown that uh, Durant is, act, is a little frustrated with everything over there. I mean, I, that part I get. Like, I mean, I'd be, it would be weird no, if I he wasn't. I don't get it. Because what were you expecting when you completely They're, they're under yourselves. 500. I mean, I'm sure they're frustrated. LeBron is probably frustrated. Everybody's frustrated when your team's not performing the way you want. But, like, is he doing anything about it like in a positive way that's what i'm saying that's what i mean by the what do you expect like to some degree you had to anticipate this as a possibility yes what are you doing as one of the theoretical leaders of this team to be proactive about it like try to get everybody on the right page yeah because it's not the first go around of this type with kevin durant no he's just whiny he's going to ask for another trade probably to where (laughs) China. I mean, look, as great as Kevin Durant still is as a player, I don't know at this point how many teams no. line up to bring him no. in because there's there's a pattern that is forming of if you don't win right away, he falls out of love pretty quick. And there's not like a team that's close, you know, where they have assets where they can be like, right, hey, close enough to where you can not we're trading for Kevin Durant puts you over the top, but the stuff that you give up mm-hmm. doesn't hurt you. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, got one more. Um, so uh, I spent a uh, Christmas going to my in-laws in San Marcos. My mother also came with us too, me and my wife. Oh. And um, we were driving in the car for a while, you know, like an hour or so. And I had a 70 station on from Sirius XM. And <laughs> it freaked the hell out of my mom with the voice that came out the 70 station. It was Casey Kasem. I guess it was a taped him doing his <laughs> countdown from like years ago. So and my mom was freaking out like, oh my God, isn't he dead? Isn't he dead? And started looking it up like, yeah, he's been dead for 10 years. And yeah, serious. Fact. Ex- yeah, fact. <laughs> and it's eerie still hearing his voice doing the ins and outs for the countdown on the 70s station. It's just weird. So fact or cap, when you guys go, will the Locked On Lakers podcast have an AI element with your, with your two voices going you know, talking about the Lakers in like, you know, the year 2090 or something. Yes. Fact. I love it. <laughs> love it. 100%. Yeah. Well, our, our Lakers analysis, whether done by us or AI generated, will <laughs> it's, continue it's evergreen. long yes. after our death. 
Thank it's just you. gonna we're just although <laughs> it'll be stuck in a loop where we're still discussing like the implications of Gabe Vincent's injury we're just <laughs> in like twenty we just we're just gonna talk in really the last few years if we can kind of see like health declining or something we'll just speak in really general terms you know how you guys promote the uh, your podcast and we ask you guys for a YouTube component from moving forward is is there an AI component to this <laughs> there the is an AI question. we're just gonna let Chat GPT do the show <laughs> I'm sure that would happen after a while yeah. I'm actually going to ask ChatGPT if Darwin should start Cam Reddish and, and Jared Vanderbilt together and see what it says. Okay, do that. Okay. Coming up next, we will let you know what ChatGPT thinks about the new Lakers starting lineup and also Gabe Vincent reportedly having surgery out six to eight weeks in recovery, estimated might be the minimum. What does that do for the Lakers coming up to the trade deadline and any plans that they might have had Talk about all that coming up next, 710 ESPN. Kamineski Brothers in for Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN. Does Cleveland get to claim these guys? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Anthony. What do you think? Call us up. <laughs> I'm sure he's been. <laughs> Layover or something. I am know? pretty sure California gets both Dre and Pac. Same. Pretty sure that's how it they, works. They've been to I mean, Cleveland. You can maybe on the East Coast, if you want to get technical about this claim, Tupac, like going going further, further back. Yeah, he was in New York for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe Baltimore as well. Maybe. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I want to say he might, he might have been born there, too. Yeah, so can't have him in Cleveland, though. No. He has no business being claimed as part no. of Cleveland. All right, so you attempted to get the answers for uh, Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt. No, through uh, and ChatGPT told me it does not have up to date sports uh, data after 2022, which makes me wonder if Darwin also doesn't have <laughs> updated data from since 2022, because that would explain the choice to put Vanderbilt and Cam Reddish together in the starting line. Thus far, the two-game sample size of the LeBron, AD, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, starting lineup not paying dividends on either side of the ball. Got a couple days before Thursday's game against Charlotte at home to see whether or not that is still the lineup moving forward. In the meantime, though, reportedly, per Sham Sharani of the Athletic and Stadium, Gabe Vincent will be having surgery on his left knee, the one that has limited to just five games this season, out. Shams six, didn't say, eight, six to eight weeks is what I've seen yeah. reported, but that that's like six to eight weeks maybe before you like check right. in on him. I don't know. I mean, he's not going to be gone for a while. Right, exactly. I mean, people should just understand like six to eight weeks is not a guarantee <laughs> of arrival. And whenever Gabe Vincent is going to be back, it is going to be post trade deadline, or yes, February is it fifth? Is it the fifteenth? Looking or, it up yeah. right now. Trade deadline NBA February eighth. Okay. So after the trade deadline, you might have Gabe Vincent back. So beyond the implications, yeah. If it's of, six weeks, maybe, maybe. that's right. right. Six you will weeks not is have basically Gabe February. Here's what we know for sure. You're not going to have Gabe Vincent back in enough time to see what Gabe Vincent looks like with this team in a way that would dictate the moves that you make at the deadline. That is 100% true. So beyond what Gabe Vincent's absence does to the Lakers right now in terms of one fewer ball handler, the defensive point of attack defense that they were counting on from him, 
you know, the overall basketball IQ, the shooting they hoped for that we saw during his playoff run with the Heat last year. This affects them, the moves they can make at the deadline. Not that Vincent can't be traded. He actually can be, although you're going to have to include some stuff to make people take that deal. They cannot move, say, D'Angelo Russell, who lives reportedly on the block and is always in every trade rumor and was willing to remove his implied no trade clause this year as part of getting a player option, leading a lot of people to believe that he could be on the move as one of the Lakers' assets. You can't move D'Lo now without getting a ball handler in return on that deal or some side deal. D'Lo cannot be moved for, like, a three or a or four big. or five, right? It, and it doesn't have to be a point guard. It can, you know, it can be Demar Derozan. Like he handles the ball well, you know, turned into a very good passer. Like that, that's a guy who you could like. You know, he's not going to stretch the floor, but he does space the floor in interesting ways as an as an offensive player because of his skill in the mid range and all of a sudden he moves the ball well. And like, okay, so you don't need to get a point guard back. But you do need to get somebody who can dribble and pass um, and not just score. And that's part of the problem with Zach Levine is he's not great at that other stuff. He's not a connector of players. Um, and so it really does mess with them a little bit. I mean, I, I, I think – I don't know what the market's going to look like, Andy, but you could make the argument at least that their best solution to this problem is trying to get D'Lo to play better again. Like, get him playing like he was in November, and this is less of an issue. Yeah. I mean, th- this, I, I think the Vincent thing, There, people may not have made the connection to Vincent and D'Angelo Russell and the deadline and whatever options the Lakers may or may not have. The Like, like first of all, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter at Cam Brothers hit us up. You know, they got to move Gabe Vincent. Like, they got to trade him yeah, out. Right. Of, trade yeah, right. Trade him now. Have fun with that. Good, good luck with that. Like you are going, whatever you consider a sweetener that the Lakers possess, and they don't have many at this point. You are likely going to have to attach most, if not all, of them to Vincent because he is a somewhat unproven player right. in the first year of a thirty-three million. Right, and it's not like crazy money. This but like the idea that you could. He has no current. This, he has no. He has no value necessarily, and he can't right play, now. And he can't play for a team like teams that are rebuilding. Like Utah doesn't want Vincent. Like if no. they're doing the Chicago doesn't want Gabe Vincent. You know, again, three year deal. It's not an expiring contract. It's not like D'Lo where you know maybe you get one more year of him with Vincent. You get two more years. It's like that. That he's a a decent contract number that isn't. You know, going to weigh anyone down, but nobody wants in the situation that is blowing up a team wants Gabe Vincent. Right. That's not a thing that they want. Right. And right now, if you are competitive and looking to make a run, Gabe Vincent's not going to be of interest to you because you, you can't play. Right. You don't know when he's going to be back. You don't know what he's going to look right. like when he's back. You don't know how long he will be available before the playoffs begin. So if you're a contending team, he's not of interest. If you are a rebuilding team, he is currently not of interest unless you are attaching a lot. Right. And that of doesn't mean he's a bad player or a bad no, signing because, no. like, we can't say it. He's a bad. Well, he's, curr- he's currently a bad signing. Well, he's, a, he's an unlucky signing. We don't know. Bad is like 
This guy had like a really extensive injury history. Should have seen it coming. Signed into a big contract. Got hurt. Okay, that's bad. But like, that's not what happened here. Gabe Vincent got hurt because I mean, only in the sense of like maybe all Miami guards we signed get. Hurt. I was gonna say, stop. Stop I just signing. Don't sign anybody who played in Miami. Stop signing. Heat players. Heat players. Definitely heat guards. Yes, because they do something over there. Like they they have their mojo, which allows everybody to achieve their maximum potential. It's great if you have to go play over there. But like someone's gonna like Haywood Highsmith is gonna become like this targeted guy in the offseason because he's like thriving in Miami. And like all of a sudden, just stay away from everything with the heat because you can't repeat what they do. Plus, I think they put little tiny self-destruct like nodules in everybody before they leave. It's like, if you're going to leave here, we're going to explode you. And that's what they do. Speaking of guys who maybe perform better in Miami, um, but are certainly helping them right now, is what's going on with the Miami Heat showing that the Lakers made a big mistake in their current draft? Hmm. Uh a lot of locals may remember a kid playing for the Heat right now who is playing very well, and the Lakers could have had him. Talk about that coming up next, 710 ESPN.